should I say should I say where <laughs> should I say this is in your head or what? Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's a good what's a good title for a spooky show? Without your head. Without your head. All right. <laughs> Without your head. There All right. Yeah. All right. Give me the countdown. Bonfires burning bright. Bumpy faces in the night. I remember Halloween. Dead cats hanging from poles. Little dead around in droves. I remember Halloween. Rounded vertigo. With skeleton life is known. I remember Halloween this day. Anything goes. Burning bodies hanging from poles. I remember Halloween. And we are back with Without Your Head Horror Radio. Yes, we uh, have returned. Where have we returned? <laughs> We've uh, been off for a couple weeks and now we're back. And I'm uh, Neil. Good Joyce. I'm John. And I'm still Troy. Man. You haven't changed your name since the last time we talked. No, no. I was Dish last time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, everybody know we're going to have uh, Scott Goldberg, a horror director, later on in the uh, program. Coolness. And uh, we're going to debut a new segment here on Without Your Head. Hmm. And what would that be, Neil? Well, every week we're going to open the coffin. And we're going to inside will be a classic or a not so classic horror movie <laughs> that all all of us will have have watched previously in the week. Hmm. And it'll be a pick by either one of our, one of us, or we'll even let maybe let the fans uh, send in some requests. Maybe we'll pick one of those. Ooh, I like that. Uh, this week. I'm going to open the coffin, and inside is Creep Show. This was oh, one of nice. your picks, right? Yes, this is my pick, Creep Show. Yeah. Oh, I would have picked it, too, though. Yes, it is. Pretty, uh, one of my favorite, uh, it's not like one of my top George Romero movies, but it's like definitely, uh, on there somewhere. But, like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty good film. I think I think the art mixed in with the uh, actual scenes and everything like that. It's uh, pretty, it makes it pretty interesting. Definitely feels like a comic book while you're watching it. Right. It's kind oh, of reminiscent yeah. to uh, only kind of reversed with uh, the uh, without your head website, mm-hmm. where it's got the hand drawn people with uh, real backgrounds. Yeah. Very true. Very it's my, true. It's my homage to uh, George Romero. We- <laughs> Well, I think that movie was like the the homage to uh, the old EC comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, the old Tales from the Crypt and Vault mm-hmm. of Horror and all that. Yeah, 
like I said before, I've always been a fan of uh, that kind of uh, a movie where it's like a bunch of short stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, I think this is probably one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah, I've got to, I've got to agree with that. You know, I would just watch it again now this week. I watched it again last night, actually. Yeah. And um, as did I. What's different between this and a lot of George Romero movies is uh, it's got a lot of stars in it. And I don't know if all of them were stars though when the movie was made, but a lot of them, you know, went on to become pretty big stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, usually in Romero movies, he doesn't use any like uh, well-known stars in the movie. Speaking of, uh, Ed Harris was in the film, and I, I gotta say, Ed Harris. He sure knew how to boogie. <laughs> that's that's like when the best, yeah when they're dancing. <laughs> I like that the one move. So grating after a while. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they're playing it and it's both of them. It's him and his wife dancing, and then like mm-hmm. it, it's supposed to be like later on in the evening because they're worried about him. And it's all the same song playing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Romero was kind of like stuck in the seventies on this one because it was like the early eighties, and I don't think like. 80 music has arrived yet, so right. he definitely had like some disco going on here. Well, yeah, I think if you hear uh, George Romero speak, I think he, you could tell he's, uh, that was like probably his best time was the 70s, because he still uses a lot of like 70s terms when he speaks. Like, Did if he do a lot of drugs? Of, I don't know, but if you listen, you know, like you'll say like, you know, like dig it and stuff like that. Mm. You listen to like, like a lot of the commentary tracks. I do that myself, though. Mm-hmm. All the uh, yeah. things is right. Those are yeah. the greatest four years of my life. <laughs> so the name of the first skit was Father's Day, correct? This is the one right. that contained uh, Ed Harris in it. Yeah. Well, it's, it also has like you know the the bookend pieces where it's a kid you know, reading the comic book. Yeah, at the beginning, which contained uh, Stephen King's son. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's uh, Stephen King's uh, son. Well, what's his name, uh, Flea? I mean, Troy. I'm not sure about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's um, Stephen King's son. I didn't do my homework at, at the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, Tom Atkinson. Oh. He, he's joking. Joking. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's his name. <laughs> oh. It seems like it's like you know, like a like a joke name. Joking. Mm. Yeah. Uh, joking. Joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> And uh, you said before that they actually used, like, a real corpse on, on the beginning of this. Like, you know, uh, well, basically, oh, you know, like, the, da- the dad's, you know, scolding the son, saying you shouldn't have this cra- type of crap, you know, comic mm-hmm. books and stuff. Because he has a creep show comic book. But then, like, he takes it away, and then the kid condemns his father and says he hopes he rots in hell. <laughs> and, and then, and then the the creepster thing appears, and that, it's actually a real corpse. Yeah, yep. I read that, you know, when I was a kid. Actually, uh, Troy here bought me that book when I was just a little kid for like uh, my birthday. Mm-hmm. It was a book about how you know Tom Savini, how he did um, special effects, and uh, he says in the book, I just think they were running out of time, or whatever, and they took a real cadaver from like a. From like you know, like a college, I think, and that that was the creeper. Now, <laughs> uh, I really think they had to done something to like the mouth and the eyes and stuff. Yeah, the, the, yeah, they threw some stuff on it to make it look creepy. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just it was probably just a basic looking cadaver. Like that's not creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they probably did that with like you know some like uh, marionette stuff to move them around. With. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I don't I don't think real uh, corpses are like good actors. 
Well, you never know. And then the uh, next skit, it was Father's Day. This is the first skit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorites. Um, when I was a kid, I would say that all the time. I probably still say it t- 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 today. Um, where's my cake? Where's my you? cake, Billy? Oh yeah. I saw this at the drive-in. I think the the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. and uh, I just fell in love with the movie. since when I when I was a kid, and then I watched it ever since. You know, some movies you like as a kid, and they don't really age well. But uh, I think That's this one true. still holds up. Now the makeup effects on the actual father, the corpse. Uh-huh. It looked, I, it's insane how, you know, just like good it looks compared to like some of the CG stuff they come out with today. So oh, yeah. I mean, like the skull oh, was yeah. a little big, but that was, you know, that was to fit somebody in there, so you can kind of right. understand that. But I thought the dad... When he first looked, shows up, it's really great. Too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we could call her here. Who is this? The radish. Hey man, I thought you gonna join in the in the coffin here with us, Doctor <laughs> Creepshow. Yes. All right. What, what did you th- in the coffin dish. What did you think about the opening um, story in the movie, Father's Day? That was pretty awesome with the kid having all the mood swings. <laughs> no, you mean the uh, the first oh, segment he- was Stephen King's kid. Oh. Hmm. oh. Yeah. You mean Father's Day or? Fa- yeah, we moved on to Father's Day. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, I found that to be really awesome. Yeah, like I uh, with uh, like John was saying here, the, this the makeup job on um, on the father I think really holds up today. It's like you said, it's better than a lot of uh, stuff you see now, like CGI stuff. Oh yeah. And it seemed like they utilized a lot of the the uh, frame cuts in this one, like when they, you know, kind of like the comic book stuff, like whenever mm-hmm. the father gets killed, it has the uh, bloody you know outline around his head whenever he falls down, which was really cool takes. And whenever the, oh, yeah. whenever he first comes out of the the grave, it has the uh, the the red and blue lighting kind of thing that mm-hmm. just makes it look even more like a comic kind of. Yeah, that one reminded me so much, like, when, when you first see the, the, the zombie, it just reminded me of, like, the old Jack Davis stuff from, from Tales from the Crypt, because Jack Davis always did, like, the, the greatest zombies. They always looked so cool whenever mm-hmm. he grew. And if you listen to a lot of the commentary tracks, uh, whenever Romero talks about Dawn of the Dead, he always talks about that being, like, a comic book movie. Because I think he really is a fan of, of comic books. So this is probably, like, oh, a I, perfect I movie for him to uh, direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to so get into the next segment? Yep. Oh, I just wanted to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love the part where like the the dad the guy like reaches up and he like touches the woman's head and it just like spins all the way around. <laughs> you twist her head oh, right yeah. around. Yeah, he yep. just touched it. Hmm. I always wonder why um why he didn't just jump out of the uh, why Ed Harris didn't jump out of the uh, the grave though when the tombstone was coming out. I'm probably pretty shocked know, at that time. Yeah, I guess if you got this uh, dead dude, I think he guy thought that the ground seeking in was kind of like the reason the tombstone was kind of teetering over. Ah, that's as true oh, possible. Maybe. So you wouldn't want to make a sudden move. He was pretty movie. licked up too. He was living in hope. <laughs> yeah, he was probably pretty lit as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he had a bottle of Jack Daniels with him or something. Yeah, what's her name? Uh, the, 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 Bedelia, Bedelia, she left it behind, yeah. 
Whenever <laughs> she got uh, whenever right, she he got just uh, make, axed. And uh, just like John, at uh, when we were in Maryland, he just saw an, an empty bottle of uh, booze and started drinking it. Yeah. If, if I had to carry him around one more I mean, place, I mean that's Photoshop. <laughs> you guys really don't know what you're talking about. The lonesome death of Jordy Barrel. You know, when I was actually when I was a kid, I didn't like this segment because to me it was like they're pu- they're putting a comedy skit <laughs> in this uh, horror movie. But as I got older, I, I grew to uh, to appreciate this one as well. Now, some of the facials on Stephen King whenever he was playing this character. Oh, it was it was it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> oh, King is just the perfect hayseed, you know. Oh He's yeah, just like the consummate hillbilly. And this one definitely has a comic book feel to it as well. <laughs> okay. Oh, it cuts into the you know when he's uh, when he goes to the to sell the uh, when he's thinking about selling the uh, the meteor. <laughs> Two hundred dollars for a broken meteor? <laughs> I wouldn't give you two cents. Now, it's, it's strange, but that 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 the the guy who plays the um, who plays the uh, doctor and the uh, professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of looks like James Lipton, the guy from uh, <laughs> behind the actor's studio. Right, inside the actor's Inside right. the actor's studio. <laughs> and, and then, being the four of us, and, and we're all wrestling fans, so I think we could all appreciate that he was watching, you know, Bob Backlund. <laughs> right. It was like wrestling, like the Wild Samoans, right. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to know, is this like Stephen King's take of a wrestling fan? <laughs> I think it's like America's take, you know. It's like this the southern <laughs> southern dude living in the backwoods and the guy's watch wrestling, getting meteor they shit on his hand. Like right. Do you ever find uh, Do you ever find his take is like the this backwoods dude uh, like offensive, John? Mm, uh, not really. I mean, it's all. <laughs> if if, if I was doing it, you would. oh, if you were doing it, I mean, I'd want blood. <laughs> what did you think about this one, uh, Reddish? I just loved that one. Like, so disturbing and stuff. Yeah, you know what I... Yeah, like, when I was a kid, like, I just thought it was a comedy thing, but um, later on, it is pretty disturbing. I mean, the guy kills himself. Oh, yeah. If you listen, he's, like, begging God just to let it end. Mm-hmm. And I find that just awesome. <laughs> You're a strange kid there, man. It's like he, he wanted, like... His lucky day to be, you know, the day that he actually kills himself. Right. So. You just called me weird. I, I, I don't. I remember you saying something about killing yourself there a little while ago. Well, that's before I get rid of the, uh, the plants. No longer turning into a plant. So things are looking hurt. He's no I, longer. I warned you about the, the meteor shit, man. <laughs> that's what I did warn you about. That. Meteor what was shit. It? <laughs> And that special effects still holds up. Oh yeah, yep. And and like not only the makeup, the special effects and stuff, just you know, the the comedy too. Like all all the little just <laughs> oh, yeah. things like mm-hmm. they're all still. Special. Now doesn't it make you itch whenever he like takes off his shirt? And you <laughs> see like all the. Oh guys. yeah. God, yeah. Uh-huh. And then when he's sucking on his fingers too. You yeah. Know, and then you're just like, oh no, dude, don't look at the tongue. <laughs> So what was the next one? Okay, then they had the voodoo doll where it showed that the kid ordered a voodoo doll, you know, that showed it in the comic book, oh. you know, when it cut it out right. to the garbage can. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, with Sabini out there getting the trash. 
Oh, well, not yet. I think yet. That's, that's at the, the end. end. Yeah, that's at the end. Oh, that's at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the next one. The something next, to tide you over. Yeah, there's some. Probably the one that I hate the the most of. <laughs> the really? Oh, do you really? I hate this one. I don't. I, I never liked it. I don't, but just, you have to like the zombies, though. They're cool looking, but like the way they keep talking, it's just like, oh, zombie, we're gonna take you down to you. We're going to drown you. It's like, come on. I always, I always liked this one. I, I thought the beginning was really good, and it's um. You get to see Leslie Nielsen actually was a good actor, you know, before yeah. he became like the guy that just carried around the fart machine. <laughs> yeah, Dracula dead. Yeah, it. right. Which I think adds adds to the uh, adds to this this one is uh, his performance. Mm-hmm. You can and tell he's kind of a madman. Ted Danson too. Is yeah, I think yeah you can see the Ted Danson is, is uh, star quality. Mm-hmm. I like how uh, Leslie Nielsen is like this real tech savvy sort of guy. He's just, like. You know, your your TV, it's kind of like the cables are kind of loose. <laughs> right. I'm surprised oh, yeah, you didn't yep. notice the drop of quality. <laughs> and he got like this freaking Jeep that has like the, the this huge cord right in the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> he just drops oh, down the beach with it. <laughs> that's the only thing that might be a little dated, you know. Like, oh, yeah, they got like a regular TV have. set there. Yeah, he's got a black you know, and white TV and he's like, <laughs> look at the picture. It's not on play, it's on record. <laughs> but I, I did, you know. I think there's something real spooky about like being buried up to your neck and the, oh yeah, the definitely the tide coming in. Yeah, that's a really uh, creepy uh, scene. You think maybe they uh, went to they had too many zombies in this one? You think maybe if it had a different like half the second half, you would have enjoyed it more, John? There, there's no such oh, there's no such thing as too many zombies. Um. <laughs> I think I don't know. I think it just overall it kind of got on my nerves as a story, just oh. too much. Like I don't know. It's just like kind of typical, you know. <laughs> like oh, you you've been sleeping with my wife. I'm gonna go bury you in the beach and kill you. <laughs> I mean, like and then like have you have a monitor and make you watch it and all. That. I think I I just don't think it was like that appealing to me. Like mm. see, I think that, all, that all part, maybe not the reason why he's doing it, but I think it was pretty original to bury the guy and make him watch as oh, his, yeah. uh, his girlfriend died. I thought it was pretty uh, creepy stuff, and plus the way Leslie Nielsen's playing it like pretty straight. You know, he's not laughing like a madman. You can tell he's insane, but yet he's, you know, he looks like a normal guy. Well, and then when he's talking to himself and everything. Mm-hmm. But I love the zombies when when they come back, you know, and they're the uh, the drowned zombies. Yeah, I, I my, just I love. My them only more. problem, I think, maybe because it kind of seems like it's like the next day or something. I think it should have like showed that like time passed, maybe like a year, because they look pretty messed up to be like dead for like a, a day. Mm. You know, if they would have been like underwater for a long time, they're a waterlogged. Well, but uh, besides know, like, that, seawater would probably probably mess you up pretty good in a hurry. Probably, yeah. They're all messed up. They're all dead. Yeah, that that they they do something they do and used to do in movies all the time. They run out of bullets and they throw the gun at the guy. Yep, <laughs> that's what they used to do. Like that, when you know, if you're fighting Superman and the guns, the bullets aren't doing anything, throw the gun. I'd like to actually see that take somebody out. Though. <laughs> That would rule. <laughs> Man, those five bullets you just pumped into my chest. 
that hurt, but throwing the gun, that was the nail in the coffin. <laughs> what was the next one? Just right. You know, you hit him in the temple or something. Yeah, right. Lucky shot. Called shot. Yeah. You never Called know. shot to the temple. The, um, w- when they shoot the, the uh, I don't know, was it dancing they shot in the head? And then, like, the stuff that runs out, it reminds me of, um, you guys are all probably too young to remember Silly Sam. <laughs> But that's, that's kind of what it was. No, you I don't remember like, that. Like a, you, you get a tub of water, and you buy the silly sand, and you could you could build like castles under the water. It was great stuff. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you just you put it in that? there, it would basically grow itself, wouldn't it? Oh, that no, that was the magic. That rock. was a crystal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Those things were great too. But this was a sand. You you build like sand castles and things. Hmm. So it was, was for a simpler time. We were simpler children. What was the next one? The crate. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid, this was my favorite one. Everybody loved the crate. Yeah, I think this is, like, a lot of people's favorite one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Romero, she's actually in this uh, as uh, George Romero's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, Adrian, uh, what's her Bardot? name? Bardot. Yeah. I think she was married to John Carpenter at the time, too. So oh, like, really? I didn't like, know that. not now? Did they get divorced? Yeah, they got divorced, I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, so this is like a cast of uh, famous horror director's wives. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty good skit. Um,. I think we're right at the beginning with the music that's playing. Mm-hmm. It kind of it starts out like, um, you know, like something's really going to happen. It kind of mm-hmm. gets you right into the story. It doesn't really start slow. It's just like uh, just that music that starts right at the beginning when the guy's flipping the the coin. Mm-hmm. You just tell like something's about to happen. Mm-hmm. It builds a suspense well. No, I think this. If there was never a time that you really just wanted to see somebody just really get it. <laughs> In a horror movie, <laughs> it's definitely you wanted to see Asian get off oh, as soon as possible. Oh yeah, there's a lot. That was the thing about this one. There's a lot of different uh, levels going on here. It wasn't just the the crate thing. It was like him dreaming about killing uh, <laughs> killing his wife. <laughs> well, that, that's what I was gonna say because in the in the King short story about the crate, mm-hmm. there's a few more parts where he fantasizes about killing his wife. You know about killing Billy during during the during the story. Just tell me, Billy. It was like two or three times when yeah he, when, when he does it. But when he when he pulls out the gun though and shoots or when when they're in the like the little <laughs> cocktail party thing, that's the great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody like clapping. starts clapping. Yeah. yeah, they're like, "Oh, excellent shot!" You know? <laughs> no, I can't remember that guy's name. Who who's that old guy? Is it Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook, yeah, yeah. And then you have the other guy, the guy from the Reanimator, yeah, um, Fritz Weaver. Oh, is that his name? I think so. Oh, Dex- okay. yep. <coughs> now the the uh, monster during this uh, during the filming of this was actually dubbed as a uh, Fluffy. Yep, <laughs> yep. Which is an interesting <laughs> name for the beast. Mm-hmm. It, in the book, do they explain what what the what the monster looks like? Because I kind of remember on the cover. Of the um, of the book, isn't it like green? It has like kind of like a like a claw. You can just kind of see, see the um, the like eyes. A webbed the claw. Eyes are green. Uh-huh. Yeah, it does have a webbed claw. It, it's almost like a like a platypus claw, really. Mm-hmm. So it's not really. This is more like a monkey. 
Yeah, you, you never really, you know, figure out too much what it is. Mm-hmm. But but it's a, they they made a great looking monster though like its fangs and everything are just so awesome and yeah and I mean just like uh, when it's eating the people and, and uh, ripping them apart that's mm. good looking stuff. I love the clean up scene too like when oh, there's yeah. blood everywhere. Uh-huh. I mean, being being a person, you know, that that like does a lot of monster <laughs> in my life, that's like my nightmare. Okay? Right. <laughs> I've actually done that before, cleaned up blood. <laughs> But anyhow, well, that, that was something on the job, so it <laughs> wasn't something in my uh, personal life, but, or at least the stories are going to go. Uh, one of my favorite parts was uh, the scream take whenever <laughs> whenever he, like, runs out after the first killing, and he's, like, he's like going insane with the one dude. Right. You remember that? It was, like, it's yeah. kind of stereotypical, just, like, you know, oh, my God, I'm going out of my mind. <laughs> Got a screen take. Oh, like what when he talks to um the the student, the one kid that goes in and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like he was, you know, like you know, <laughs> like the double takes and everything. I keep I keep waiting for like you know Herbert West to show up though. Whenever I see that guy, <laughs> I just I Alrighty, are we ready for the next one? Yep, I think so. Does anyone else anything else to add to that one? That that one I think is still my favorite out of all the episodes on the movie. What was the next one? The next one is uh, they're creeping up on you. Yeah, I was going to say when I was a kid, the crate was my favorite, but I think now that I'm older, I enjoy. I think I probably enjoy this one the most, just because of um, of uh, Upton Pratt. Oh yeah, yep. It, I think his, you know his dialogue be, with people is just yeah, it's just just awesome. That. Yep. Well, E.G. Marshall is always such a good actor, anyway. Yeah, they they could have just made Upson Pratt. They could have just made a like a whole movie just about that guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, like the, the wife, mean, creepy old man. When the the, the guy who offed himself because his business was being taken over by his, and then uh, mm. his wife calls him on the phone, and he's just like, "How did you get this number? I'd like to fire the person that gave it to you." And she's like, <laughs> "It was in my husband's personal phone book." And then he's like, "Oh well, I guess you can't work. fire him." <laughs> oh yeah, well then she's freaking out. And he's like, "Mrs. Captain Moore, Mrs. Captain Jammer, you know." <laughs> I've got this bug problem. This is Brad, and I've got bugs. <laughs> yeah, that was just uh, that was like the highlight of that episode. I mean, you got the bugs, of course, you know, eating the guy at the end, but that's just uh, that's, that's secondary. The yeah, that's probably gross, but I think it's blood. secondary to uh, just his performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of like feel sorry for like the cockroaches in it. Even though I squashed <laughs> a cockroach myself, you know? Right. I always kind of, like, feel bad for him that he's, like, squashing him. It's you know pretty gross, though, when he's, uh... I think it's the grossest part is when he's eating the stuff and he looks in his exactly. blender. Yeah. yeah. And he's got the squashed up cockroaches in it. Yep, that that grosses me out even more than the end when he gets eaten by the thing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just to I'll never him. put anything in a blender again. Even though, um... Like, uh, some of the stuff that he did in, like, uh, Bomb to Den's Thought in the Dead and stuff is great. Mm-hmm. I think he really picked up his game and, like, uh, really came into his own in this movie for the special effects. 
because it was so diverse. Like, everything was just so different. Tom Savini. Yeah, I didn't say his name. Tom Savini. Hmm. Yeah, I thought the effects in this movie were really awesome. Then -hmm. it came to the ending segment with, uh, with, uh, you know, the kid and the voodoo doll. And, uh... Hmm. That was a great way to end it, too. Yeah, I kind of enjoy, like, the sub-story in between all the other stories, Mm -hmm. too. That was kind of neat, because... It kind of leaves you and that's up. what was missing from the second one too. The well, second one's just so lame with the kid waiting on the pl- <laughs> on the seeds. Yeah, and there's only about. three stories in the second one. Too. Yeah, apparently they're making a third one, and either it's a third movie or it's a remake thought, with different stories, which yeah. really makes no sense. <laughs> a remake with different stories doesn't sound much <laughs> like a remake to me. No, <laughs> but apparently they want to keep like the same character throughout all the stories or something. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know if that would work. What did you think of this one, Dish? Hello. Hey. Hey. Hello. Who's this? Who is this? Am I calling the radio? Am I calling the radio? Yep. Hey, is Scott there yet? I uh, know we're gonna call him in about one minute. Can you call back in like uh, two minutes? Yeah, sure, sure. All right, thanks, man. Okay. Okay. Who was that? Uh, somebody calling in for Scott Goldberg, apparently. Oh, yeah. he's an excitable fellow. <laughs> Excellent. Well, any uh, closing words, Dish? Because we got to go to a break and call up uh, Scott Goldberg. Mm, not really. <laughs> Can I just say one thing real quick, though? <laughs> yeah. If, if anybody enjoyed the movie, try to find the graphic novel. Because Bernie Wrightson does the illustrations of the graphic novel. And it's made, you know, like a comic book, and it's just awesome. It's so good. Oh, but that is pretty neat to check out. Yeah, I've never seen that, I don't believe. Oh, you haven't? I'll bring no. it over. I'll show you sometime. All right. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back with Scott Goldberg.
All right, we are back. We're joined by Scott Goldberg. Welcome to Without Your Head. Hey, man, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, cool. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, it's, it's a cold night here in December. It's, uh, you know, most uh, horror fans love that kind of stuff. You know, creepy, cold, and uh, <laughs> that happens to be, I guess, <laughs> you know, for horror films. So. Right, or, definitely. Uh, just to let everybody know, you can check out scottgoldbergfilms.com, and you can uh, you can watch some of your films on there. Yes, correct. In fact, we have uh, three short films on there right now, and there should be more coming uh, within the next year uh, mm-hmm. for everyone to check it out. Yeah. Um, well, what's the newest one on there? Uh, the newest one is uh, Nightmare. It's, it's a short film we shot back in May of uh, this year, and um, and then uh, you know before that it was along for Christmas, and before that was David came back. They're all uh, short films. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, I'm sure we'll get more into those films as the uh, show progresses. You know, it's, I always think it's, it's very important to, uh, it's actually, I think, I think it's, uh, new, a new thing to get, uh, all these films out here, because, you know, the internet is such a, a great way to expand and meet people and network that you can really reach out to people instead of, you know, sending DVDs, right. you know, to so many people and, you know, spending a lot of money doing it that way. It's very easy to just host it on a website and do that. If people want to buy a DVD, then, you know, they could, they could buy it, but, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I wanna, what I want to do is uh, get, like, a whole compilation of uh, the shorts and put it on the DVD, and that's when uh, we're going to be selling it. So. Are you happy with, like, the response you've gotten over your uh, movies online? Yeah, you know, uh, it, I mean, like, you know, I put the, I put the films online, and uh, one of the websites, YouTube, you know, it's, it's a pretty good website. Uh, they got bought out by uh, this big uh, giant. I forgot, I forgot who bought them out, but... Man, you know, I, I'm really uh opposed to that kind of stuff with the uh with the with the big businesses taking over business. Yeah, you know, but yeah, um, I think John's right, I think it was Google. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I think Google bought them. Yeah, Google, yeah. And even like MySpace is owned by uh Rupert Murdoch, I believe, from Fox. Mm-hmm. They have all these like oh. big uh these big uh giants, you know, taking over these uh these companies and uh that's what happens, you know, when someone becomes uh, big, just like remakes of today, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. there's only, oh, <laughs> you guys, uh, don't like those films as well, you know, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the response has been, uh, it's been very good, so I'm very happy, and I met a lot of great people, and, you know, I met you guys online, and I think the internet is a great way to, um, get in touch with many people. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the YouTube being bought by Google, I actually think, it was like kids who, uh, started it, though, and they sold it yeah. for, like, uh, billions of dollars, so, it was I good know. for them, anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. That's, I mean, you know, I can understand like people say that they're selling out, but I mean, I don't know, it, it really depends, you know, on if you need the money or not. I mean, being a struggling filmmaker, you know, you, you need money, you know. Right. But, um, you know, these guys that believe they basically did it in their own in their basement, just became a whole big uh, corporation. Yeah. And, uh, that's why they bought them out because they cause they knew that it could make a lot of money. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if Google's uh, checking out without your head online, withoutyourhead.com, <laughs> they, they get a few billion, they went away. There you go. Um, on the day they came back, that it's like really good uh, makeup for the zombies. Uh, who did that? Uh, John Farley is a special effects makeup artist out of um, New Jersey. Uh, it's like johntfarley.com. And I worked with him on basically all my, all my short films and uh, continuing to work with him. He's, uh, he's a big fan of the horror genre. You know, and um, I think he deserves to be working on a lot of projects. And if I could pay him, if I could pay my crew, my cast, and my actors, I'd do it. But being the being independent filmmaker and and 
you know, not really having a lot of money, you can't really do that. But if I could, you that know, all the people I worked with have been so great. So. Um, we got a caller here. Who is this? Big Radish again. Hey, man, you got a question for Scott Goldberg? Yes, I'd just like to know what is your favorite zombie movie? Oh well, uh, actually, me and me and uh, we have, we have a call roundtable over at deadfit.com. There's another horror talk radio show. We I asked them around the the whole horror uh, roundtable. I asked them, you know, which favorite zombie film. A lot of people said Dawn of the Dead. I'm not really so sure about that. I mean, Dawn of the Dead's a great film, but what I really love is Day of the Dead. I think it's the most realistic film. I think the confinement of all the characters. A lot of people say that Day of the Dead. Um, you know, like the the acting, you know, was kind of funky and overacted. Um, I think you know it had, it had the most realistic zombies. Um, the score by John Harrison, who also did Creep Show, which you guys were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. he did the score to that. And uh, I just think it's it's a great overall feel, feeling for a film. I really uh, I really like Day of the Dead best. What about I'm you? Uh, you I'm one of the Dawn of the Dead guys. I have to say, that's cool, man. I mean, I love them all just the same, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would be Day of the Dead, you know? Hmm. Yeah, the original Dawn, I think I'd have to go with the... Either that or yeah. maybe Night of the Living Dead. I love that one. Yeah, I think Dawn's the Night. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead's my favorite. Hmm. Cool. Uh, what's your reason for that one, John? Uh, basically because I think it's, like, probably the most uh, realistic one where people would, you know, you'd, you'd go to a farmhouse and then, you know, try to barricade yourself in, you know, Kind of seems kind of like a viable thing that people would do, right? Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that one too that you let me watch the Italian one. No, Zombie Two. Zombie Two. I really enjoyed that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the commentary track, uh, Romero talks about Day of the Dead has become like a lot of people's favorite, but it was like uh, rediscovered like years later because you know when it was originally put out, it wasn't a big hit. I think I think a lot of people uh, didn't like it because they thought it was going to be uh, exactly like you know Dawn of the Dead. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they thought it was going to be a continuation. Yes, but uh, it, it's it's a good film. It's, it's entertaining, I think. Uh, but I love them all, so uh, but, you know, if I had to pick, it, it'd be Day. But uh, I guess I guess it's because I mean the first time I saw uh, Day of the Dead was in 2002, and um, mm-hmm. just just remembering back like four four years ago, almost five years ago, it's got this nostalgic feeling. I think the music, the directing by Romero, and everything just comes together. And even in, even in uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead as well, the original, not the remake. <laughs> right. I think the, the remake's a good action film, it's just, but, you know, it's, that's all yeah, it is. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's just, it, it lost a lot of um, what made the original Dawn of the Dead so good, I thought. Yeah. It lost, you know, lost all, like, the, the um, like, social parody, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. What was your favorite radish? Me? Yeah, I was probably Dawn of the Dead too. The original one? Yeah. Alright. Well thanks for calling, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling Radish. Anybody else wants to call in? It's five oh eight six four four eight five zero three. Now speaking of zombies and cannibal movies, I've read that yeah. you're a you're a raw vegan. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. So I was wondering if uh are those movies like uh, even more scary to you since they're they're eating meat? <laughs> no, I guess it's um, no, raw. It's raw meat, though. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Um, I mean, when you when you make art, sometimes you have to go to uh, extreme limits and 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 use actual stuff. Um, for for the day that came back, we actually had to use real sausages, and 
I was kind of against <laughs> doing that, but you, but you can't get pat testing. You know, you can't get these things that you use right. in day of the day. You can't, you can't get those types of things. So we had to, we had to do, what we had to do. You know, with a low budget film, and uh, and that's what you have to do when you're low budget. But uh, being, you could use uh, like tofu. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, there was, there was uh, my, John Farley was actually talking about uh, condoms and, and stage blood in that to make like right. or something. I never, I never, <laughs> never tried that or anything. But <laughs> Not even your own personal time. We got a caller here. Who is this? Hey, this is Reverend Greg from the Erie Horror Film Festival. Hey, hey Greg. What's up, man? Scott Goldberg? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Good. Thanks for the email invite. <laughs> oh, no problem, man. So oh, what's going? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a great show. This, this is great. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and I just wanted to let Scott know that I, I really felt bad because uh, he came up. He was a special guest at our fest this year, and I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let, let everyone know that uh, I really thought that Scott's films are, are just absolutely incredible, and the feedback from the fans were great. And uh, I think he's going to definitely go places with these uh, films he has. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching some today, and uh, I was really impressed how good the zombies look. Oh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But, but Scott knows what, what's left an indelible uh, image in my mind. <laughs> Is it the Santa Claus? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you know that? <laughs> well, I was watching today, and uh, John, who's, who uh, he right back, but uh, he knows my sense of humor, and... <laughs> when he saw it, he was like, oh, I know what, what part you like the best. I watched that scene, and I, I knew Scott Goldberg was on the something uh, like just pure gold right there. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for scarring my mind, Scott. Yeah, not a problem at all, man. That's what we're trying to do here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show you guys have, too. Seriously. Well, thanks, man. Definitely, definitely. So I just wanted to call and say, hey, Scott, and wish you a Merry Christmas and all. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for calling man. in, man. No problem, guys. I'll be listening. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, Bye. thank you. Someone else. I was just wondering in that one scene, um, when, what was she doing with the hand? Yeah, you know, that was actually brought up from uh, Splattercast.com. They actually uh, thought that um, that she was <laughs> using it uh, <laughs> in honor of herself. Actually, no. Uh, see, but see, that's the thing. That's great. What the hell is that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, we we had a missed call, and I I hit the oh, call okay. back. If, if just call back wherever you were. Uh, that and that's a great thing. Um, Hot films, you know, the audience gets to decide, you know, what they don't see off screen. They get to think for themselves, you know. Uh, even in black and white, you try to think of what, you know, what it would look like in color. That's right. why I think uh, it's very important to do some films in black and white. Um, no, she was just jumping up and down in joy, and uh, and Santa Cruz, <laughs> the character, was just happy, so he was, you know, masturbating because she was happy because, you know, he's, he's a sick motherfucker, you know. He's, he's like, jerk knobs, you know, and because he, he, he gave her, like, this dead corpse's hand. Right. So, no, she wasn't doing anything with the corpse's hand. Well, he did have a good side to him if he was he was uh, getting pleasure from her pleasure. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, that was actually a, uh, a super short film. That scene right there that we're uh-huh. talking about, that was supposed to be the whole film, but we decided to add some more sequences to it because I felt that there needed to be more of a story to it. So. Right. Um, we actually have uh, Mandy in here in the chat room. Uh, she's in some of your films, I guess. Yes, yes. Mandy Pachillo. She's, uh, she's in my film Nightmare. She's in Kimberly. Um, you know, she has a, a role in the Forest Hills. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's always good to work with people that are local and people who are um, aspiring, you know, in the, uh, in the industry um, mm-hmm. because she's very much into uh, blood and, and all that stuff. Actually, uh, Chris Garitano, one of my friends, he's a filmmaker from Long Island. He did the film Hard Business. 
he actually got me in touch with Mandy, and I needed because I needed someone for a film nightmare uh, who who wouldn't mind being you know drenched in blood and doesn't mind throwing up quote unquote brains and stuff like that and all these things and uh, and she wanted to do it and I was like well come on down and uh, and she did a great job so I'm very happy with uh, Mandy and her work you know she brought up um, Dire the Dead which is a new Romero uh, movie he's making. Yes, yes, I believe uh, Chris went to the set and uh, shot some stuff for Diary of the Dead for, uh, for his film Stomp Harbor. Yeah, you could check out like a clip of that um, or like the making of uh, on their website, on their uh, MySpace. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it, man. Cool. Uh, we've got another caller here. Who is this? Hey, Chico Mendez. <laughs> it's the guy who played uh, Santa Cruz. Oh, <laughs> <Christmas. laughs> oh, man, he's my hero. Hey, Scott, how you doing? How's everybody doing there? <laughs> I'm doing good. Good thing. I'm just, um, yeah. I'm recreating your uh, Santa Cruz uh, scene right now. Oh, uh, yeah. not that exciting. But, uh, much to, uh, contrary to what we thought, we had a lot of fans after that film came out. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, we were just talking about that. You know, I just. Uh, Yo, guys, I'm actually, I'm actually in a car in a driveway. I mean, uh, not in a parkway. Why do we park in the driveway? And why do we drive in the parkway? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> now, but I just wanted to call in and say hello to everyone and to thank all the uh, all the fans out there for supporting Scott's work. Okay, cool. Definitely. You know, Oh. And basically, if just keep it going, keep the momentum going, keep the independent horror industry going. I mean, that's that's what it's going to be all about. Uh, a lot more directors like Scott are going to come out. They're going to be more creative. As long as they get that support, they'll have um, they'll have an excuse to go out there and do uh, and do that thing. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which in turn will give people like me an opportunity to just showcase the, what they got. Yep. You know, I calls me once in a while whenever he's working on the project. I'm always excited to hear about it. I'm always excited to develop it with him. And I'm always excited to hear what the fans think after we're done. Yeah, man. That's like, I'm sure likewise, man. I mean, uh, I really appreciate, you know, you being a part of it, you know. And, uh, I mean, well, I think Chico's one, of those, Chico's one of those guys who's, um, who just, he'll just do anything. I mean, to an extent. But, um, you know, he's, He's he's a great guy to work with. That's why I worked with him on so many films because he's been able to. Well, he's like give he to play him. So that's why I give him the roles. These these crazy roles like Santa Cruz or like a, a role like Enrique in the day that came back. You know, because I knew that he can take these roles on after working with him only once during my last college project. So I appreciate it, Tico. We really appreciate it, man. And uh, just keep on doing what you're doing, man. I know only good stuff's going to come from your end as well. So hey, you know, the pleasure's always mine. I mean. Uh, come January or February, I should be out of therapy because of your project, so. <laughs> I'll be ready for another one. <laughs> uh, we're averaging, I'm averaging at about, um, you know, 32 sessions a year mm-hmm. and uh, two of Scott's film per year, so. But in the end, they'll be out there, I'll be out here, Scott will be doing his thing, you know, you guys will be on the radio kicking some butt, and, uh, and everything will be good. And the fans will be hopefully enjoying our work. Yeah. We'll work out with things done and showcasing it among those people that are interested in, in seeing it. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Scott. Yeah. I guess we'll talk a little bit later then, and, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> goodbye to everybody, and thanks for your support. 
Yeah, cool. Right, Thanks, man. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, All right, take it easy. Some, someone here in our chat room, uh, Johnny Deformed, he wants to know what your favorite horror movie of 2006 was. Favorite horror movie of 2006? Uh, well, all right, that's, that's, that's pretty simple, actually. Uh, it's coming out on DVD March uh, March 13th. It's uh, called Horror Business. I had the pleasure of seeing that in a couple of uh, independent film festivals. Uh, whoever is into horror films, whoever wants to um, be a filmmaker or aspires to be one, you have to check out the film. It's by Chris Garitano, and uh, it's an excellent film. That's, that's, and, and it was shot, I don't, I don't even know how much it was shot, um, but it was, it was it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. About 18 minutes, and that's uh, one of the uh, one of the best films I've seen in a long time. So uh, that, that's a pretty independent scene. Uh, mainstream, I haven't. I don't really check out those films because most of them are remakes. Mm, right. But um, I did like the feast. I have to say. Oh. Yeah, feast was good. Yeah, I've not seen it yet. I got to pick it up on DVD when it comes. Yeah, seen in the chat room here. They kind of going back and forth between the feast and descent. Really. I heard yeah, I, saw, I, saw, I saw some of this, and I thought it was pretty good. So Maybe about 40 minutes of it, but uh, I didn't get to see the rest of it. So. Uh, do you yeah, have a question from the uh, chat room intro, the message board? Uh, yeah. Uh, Gibbery Mouth, or he wants to know, is there any like novel that you'd like to uh, do a movie on? You know, I don't really read a lot of horror novels because I've been so busy with the past couple of years uh, uh, making films, but, um, I'm, you know, as a kid... It's not really a novel, but it's more of a, a short, uh, you know, bunch of uh, story, horror stories, I guess it'd be. Um, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Um, oh, being, yeah. being the kind of childhood I had at age 13, I watched that film. I watched, like, you know, they, they came out with a couple of them on VHS. When I saw those a couple of years ago, um, I was, it just reminded me of my childhood. So I think I didn't convey something like that, because when I was 13 or 12 or 14, I remember, you know, how Halloween used to be and driving, riding around on my bike hanging out with my friends and, and having that kind of nostalgia. So I think I'd be very good at those type of films, you know. Uh, but, uh, but you know, yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it's not, it's not a novel or anything, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a book series, so. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that would be perfect, though. That would be, you know, really interesting if you ever did that. Yeah, yeah plus, it's, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's got an audience for it, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you ever got the chance to make a big-budget film, would you want to redo one of the ones that you've done? Or would, do you have something else in mind? You know, uh, and this goes back to I'm talking about Chris Gattano and how much he's been able to help me realize my full potential. Um, I really wouldn't want to go back and uh, redo any of the uh, my past films. What I do want to do is, is make films that uh, can talk to people, um, such as real-life events, um, things about war, about the government, about you know things like that, because I find it very interesting. I think there's a lot of things that... Uh, news media doesn't tell us that would make great, great stories. Um, fiction, non-fiction. I mean, if you look into like uh, things like the RDIF ships, about ships that can be implanted into you, and they can track you down and and watch your everyday move, and you know, and things like that, or uh, or just even like the news we even like the news we hear on the media, how fabricated it is, and and how it's all about fear mongering and trying to scare you into supporting. Uh, you know, this war on quote-unquote terrorism. You know, things like that I think is very interesting. Drug abuse, um, missing children, uh, you know, so many things. I mean, real-life things that, that are going on. That's what I really want to tackle, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the, uh, 
And that's why I think the new the new horror revolution is uh, the word revolution, but I guess the new bunch of horror films is going to be like is like the real life horror and not zombie films and vampire films. Because basically, if you think about it, and I'm at fault for this as well, when you're making zombie films and vampire films, you're basically remaking, you know, films. You know, let's yeah. come up with original stuff. You know, let's let's come up with some good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's, that's where my head's at right now. Uh, kind of along those lines, but um, you know, they used the, it's basically a zombie uh, movie, but it was used to uh, like tell a political message. Was uh, Masters of Horror: Homecoming? Did you see that? I'm not seen it yet. No. Oh, okay. Well, you should check that out. I think you'd probably like that. It's basically um, it was it was really very political. It was um, the guy, the president, wishes that uh, you know one of the. Um, uh, people who died in Iraq would come back so they could say like they were for the war and they come back so they can vote to uh, get the president out of uh, out of office it sounds strange but you should check it out I mean oh, well, why do you think Romero's living, living in Canada you know he doesn't I don't think he really supports what's going on with these uh, full wars and all these things that are going on in the United States so I mean that, that's why Romero has all these things in his films you know that he, he puts those undertones the political undertones into his films because that's that's how he feels, you know. He just doesn't want to make a zombie film that doesn't mean anything. I think when we make horror films, we have to make things that mean something to people, that can make people think. Like Land of the Dead was about 9/11, mm-hmm. you know, and and they have like uh, you know uh, consumerism for Dawn of the Dead and and about racism in Night of the Living Dead and, and so on, you know. So he, each era, he actually put a political view in the film, and I think that's that's very that's a lot of the themes that he used. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always important that every horror film has a theme. Yeah, I think you do that with uh, any kind of genre, really. Like uh, good, si- that's how good science fiction is. Like the original uh, Star Trek, a lot of the episodes are really about oh, yeah. different political uh, statements. Yeah, I think art in general. I mean, you know, like most of like Bob Crumb's best stuff is like that. Uh, you got the Force Hills coming out. You want to tell everybody what that's about? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Force Hills is a, is a movie that's set in Kentucky. Um, at these two uh, hard beat writers. Uh, played by uh, Gloria Sanders and Diana Sanders, uh, two wonderful actresses here from New York. And um, it's basically about these two hobby writers who go to the uh, this certain area in Kentucky that's called the Far Hills to document an urban legend of these uh, two crazy uh, outcasts living in the woods. And, uh, you know, we shot the film in August, and we just actually finished uh, recently, December. But I've been, you know shooting a lot of uh, editing, actually, as the whole film's been coming along. It's coming along very well, and right now it's in the sound design stages. And, uh, you know, that's, I mean, if people want to check it out, they can check out the Internet Movie Database that has information, and MySpace has page uh, information. My uh, my official website also has uh, information as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's something um, first, actually... You know, this is what happens as you as you uh, evolve as a filmmaker. You, you, you kind of want to make your film like other people's films. Uh, but as you evolve, I think you kind of learn to kind of make your own. So I think at right. first what I want to do uh, back in, like, May or April is I want to make uh, The Far Hill like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But then, then as I felt that I was writing the script and rewriting it, that I, you know, why? Like, why would I want to do such a thing, you know? I really want to do something that was my own, uh, that was original. And, you know, Far Hills isn't totally original. I mean, you know, you know, people come to a place and they get stalked. That, you know, that's, that's always in horror movies. But it was something I think I could make a, put a spin on and, and make it interesting. So I had a, 
you know, Tex Chainsaw, The Shining, uh, those were influences, but I don't think you're really going to watch the film and say, oh, this reminds me of that. I think it's something that uh, it's going to remind uh, people of uh, nothing. You know, it's going to be original, so. Mm-hmm. You just kind of found your own voice with it then. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think it's very, very important for filmmakers to try to do that, you know? Oh, yeah. So, uh, what did you th- what did you think of the eight films to die for concept? Uh, the concept, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't I didn't get a chance to see any of the films, but uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, you know, festivals and uh, you know it, it, they always try to see how how certain things you know work out. Um, I think it, it was an interesting uh, take on on maybe uh, trying to get people to come and check out these horror films that they had. Um, but I really, I really don't know too much about it. I know that uh, Dark Spider, who is um, a good friend of mine, she actually uh, was one of the finalists for Miss Horror Fest, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, oh, really? which is pretty cool. Yeah, you can and, see uh, she's on uh, she's on all my spaces. Yeah, and um, actually, I did a, I did an interview with her recently as well, and um, very nice, uh, very nice woman. She's very uh, she got and they got this uh, place that they film at in the city called the Blood Manor, Blood Manor, and uh, it's Every October, they, they it's like a haunted house, and uh, it's, it's pretty creepy, man. If you guys are ever in the city and check out the Blood Matter, it's pretty uh, pretty cool. So. Um, you've won some awards at some uh, film festivals. Yes, correct. This is uh, um, uh, what what is that? Uh, does that make you proud? You know, when you when you win something like that, when you, someone uh, yeah. votes you. Well, you know, it feels good, but uh, at the same time, when you you know you win awards, and you kind of. Like what really comes out of the award, except for winning, you know, notoriety. I guess you know you get some notoriety, and you know you, you kind of get a little thing going. But you know those, uh, those are, they're, they're good to, to win them. Mm-hmm. But the main thing that you should focus on as a filmmaker isn't winning the awards. You know, send them out to film festivals, send your films out, and uh, you know try to make some noise. You know, the awards are just the icing on the cake. I feel, but yeah. it's not the main thing to focus on. As you a like filmmaker. the uh, feedback from uh, the fans is more important to you. Oh well, without the fans, who? Why would we be making films? You know, without being able to speak to people, you know, why would we be making films? We, we wouldn't, you know, because I think that's what's so important. When you have people who who admire your work and people who like your work and people who want to see you succeed and see more of your work, you know, that's what kind of keeps you going. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, we got another caller here. Who is this? Caller? Nope. The caller hung up on us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> call <him> back. <laughs> uh, I'm not, uh, I'd call back, but didn't hear the ring. <laughs> if you're out there, just call us back. <laughs> uh, back to the eight film to die for the thing. If you were approached, would you uh, want to be part of something like that? Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, actually have some scripts that I'm interested in. You know, that I'm, that I'm working on treatments for, and uh, if they if they give me uh, you know the freedom to make the type of film I wanted to and uh, how I wanted to do it, you know. Um, uh, only if it was a was a story that I felt that I needed to get out, out there as a filmmaker and get out to the masses. You know, um, as a filmmaker, I feel very important that we, we really need to focus on what makes us scared or what, uh, what instills fear in us. And when we do that, when we uh, get that type of energy and a, a type of idea and we put it all together, we can make something uh, very scary and effective. Unlike zombie films, which are 
done over and over and over and over again. Vampire films, lesbian vampire films, all these films, <laughs> all the time, man. You know, they're 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 redone and mm-hmm. it's redundant as well. So um, I think if they gave me freedom to make the type of film I want to, I definitely do it. You know, that's, that's what we're working for when we when we have no money and mm-hmm. you're trying to make a film and you're trying to uh, you know further your career. I guess you could say you 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 need money. You need you need to get paid to do it. It's very tough to do it. <laughs> And spend hours and money and money and money, keep on doing it and not seeing anything for years. That's why a lot of independent filmmakers, you know, they they, they stop making films because they don't see anything. It's it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. That's what people have to understand. It's not going to happen overnight. It's gonna it's gonna take years and years of countless work and and you know editing where you feel like you want to sh- fucking blow your brains out, <laughs> you know, and, uh, if you edit your if you edit yourself. And that's what it's like, man. You know, it's it's tough. You. As a filmmaker, you're your worst critic, and um, that's the kind of things I'm feeling right now. You know, I want to make films that speak to people, and like I said, uh, you know, a big influence was actually uh, Chris Garitano. If 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 I hadn't met someone like Chris, if I hadn't met someone like John Brody, who's actually in hard business, he's a truth seeker, and uh, he's featured in hard business. If I haven't met certain people, then I don't think that I would have think think the way, the way I do. There's certain people that you meet in your life um, that are going to change your life forever, you know. And and once you open your eyes to uh, to making better films, then I think then yeah, I think you'll be better off, you know, doing that. Uh, was there another question from the uh, board, Incher? Uh, one on. Uh, yeah, one last one. Uh, Head cheese. He just wants to know: Is there any horror flicks that you would like to remake? And if so, how would you put? What ki- type of spin would you put on it? Uh, I, 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 you know, just like the motto, it's always if it's not fixed, it's just not, I feel like I'm George Washington. I can talk about that. Um, <laughs> if it's not broke, <laughs> then why fix it? Yeah. You know. Um. Uh, no, I, I, I'd rather just make films. Um, if someone were to say, you know, we're gonna pay you a million dollars to to make a film, to remake a film, I don't know. It really, it really depends. Um, if it's like. If someone said, I want you to remake Carrie, right. okay, I'd be like, no way, because it's, it's, a, it's a piece of artwork. It's, it's wonderful. I, 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 cannot, I cannot do that. If it was, let's say, like a film that, um, that was so bad, and it's not really classic, and, you know, let's say uh, let's say Troll 2, for example. If someone asked me to remake mm-hmm. Troll 2, and I do, no, not really, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, a Troll 2 remake. <laughs> No, but no, I, uh, no, no. I, I, I have to really, really think about it. Yeah, I just think Roger Ebert's always said that. He said uh, instead of remaking good movies, they should remake bad movies because yeah. then you could, uh, you know, fix it up. Like, but uh, we got another caller here. Who is this? Right. Uh, I think this is the same caller hung up on us last time. Are you there this time? Yes, I am. Sorry. All right. No problem. Oh, it's Mandy. What's up, Mandy? How you doing? <laughs> What's up, Scott? What's up? You got a question for Scott? Of course. All right. Well, I ask you. Or do you got a question for us? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say congratulations to Scott. You're a good filmmaker, and I look forward to working with you more. And it's always a lot of fun. You always have a lot of fun with that. I appreciate it. See, and Mandy's one of those uh, actresses who, who really likes to get into it. You know, you need more people like Mandy because she's she doesn't mind getting, like, 
drenched in blood. So if you guys are making a film and you like need someone, just drench the blood on her. You can put appliances on her, whatever you need to do, and, and she'll do it. So and I think it's very important to work to work the people work with people like that. This is know? just if you're making a movie, right? Oh damn, yeah. that, that does me. <laughs> You know. uh, she's in our chat room right too, right now as well. Zombie doll. I go after after say hello to everyone once we're off the phone. I can't, I can't do that. I can't do two things at once, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Whenever I go quiet here, I'm uh, trying to read the chat room. <laughs> so you gonna you got anything else? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Thanks, Mandy. I'll talk to you later. All right, later. Bye. <laughs> Maybe be also uh, check out uh, myspace.com slash united, united we sleep. Yeah. Uh, anyone tell us about that one? Yeah, United We Sleep uh, is, is, a, is a film that, um, uh, you know, it, it is, there's a funny story behind it. Um, Chris Garitano had told me about a film that he wanted to do um, called Tammy Lane. And uh, at the time, you know, I, I was listening to it and I was like, oh, that's cool. And this was like probably a couple months ago. I was like, oh, cool, man. So he told me about it. I was like, okay, you know, so time passed by, and I'm like, hmm, I want to make a film. I want to make something that concerns the government and concerns something that's, uh, uh, something that I think is interesting. So I, I wrote, a, I wrote like, you know, a couple pages of the script, and I sent the couple people, I'm like, what do you guys think? And I sent it to Chris, he's like, dude, this is exactly, this is my movie. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, this is my movie, dude, and, you know, you're, you're doing my movie. This is exactly what I told you. And, you know, I think subconsciously I might have written it, and, uh, you know, that's the thing, you know, and, uh, so I changed it, I changed the whole thing around, and it's basically, um, about a, a father and a, uh, and a daughter and their son, and they get a virus, uh, plague Long Island, the, 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 the government, uh, the news media actually says that it was, um, it was, uh, by terrorist activity, but as the film pro- progresses, and as people start dying, and people, st- you know, people in the family, they they start dying. People that are close to them, they're trying to seek refuge and figure out what's really going on. And so they listen to the radio, and uh, basically, something just doesn't seem right to the father. And throughout the whole throughout the whole short film, you know, he's just wondering what's going on. And then uh, I'm not going to really get into it, but uh, you know, let's just say that um, you know he was right about his. Uh, his thoughts, and it wasn't uh, caused by terrorists. It was caused by, it was caused by the own government. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's something that was uh, something that I kind of wanted to write about, and even like other films, like something like about like uh, RDIF chips. You know, where they want to plant implant into the skin to track people. I want to make films like that because I think people don't know about these types of things. You know, I think it's very important to get the word out about these types of uh, things that can happen and will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we get enough people aware, I think people will be like, "No, we're not going to let you do that to us." You know, so so United We Sleep is basically uh, a film about um, fear mongering through uh, the news media because mm-hmm. that's what happens nowadays. You know, you watch the news, and all we're talking about is war on terrorism, war on this, war on that. Stay the course. Mm-hmm. You know, like George Bush recently, he said, uh, "We're going to stay the course." You know, and and then like you know, he said that like maybe like thirty times within like the last three years. Right. And now like, you just hear him on the ra- on the news, and he was just like, "We never say we're staying the course." I'm like, <laughs> <Right>. "What?" <laughs> like, the, like the government lies, man. You know, it's it's the most ridiculous thing, man. So I want to make films about that and make films that 
that I find interesting. And that's, I think that's more important than any zombie films, because those have been, like, remade so many times by different filmmakers, so... Uh, would you want to do it like a straightforward movie, or would you want to do it in the premise of like a zombie movie? Uh, in what sense? The uh, uh, we sleep. I mean, we talk about doing a movie about um, like about different things the government does. Would you want to just do a movie just about that, or would you make like a horror movie where there is a political message inside the movie? Maybe not just uh, uh you know, straightforward movie about uh the government. Um. I think I think there's just so many types of different scenes that you can use for a film and so many different ways that you can go about it. It really depends on what I'm feeling at the time and as I'm making the film, what kind of message I want to uh, express or convey. I think um, when you have, um, let's say, when you're making a film uh, and you want to put it straightforward out there, um, it really depends on the story and how you're feeling at the time. So it really depends. Uh, like right now, for United We Sleep, it's basically... It's basically where I want to wake everyone up, all the people that are asleep. You know, I want to wake people up and say, yo, listen, maybe maybe, maybe uh, what we're hearing on the news isn't really news. Maybe it's not the truth. Maybe it's just fabricated. Maybe people are just lying to us because they want to keep us scared. You know, that's scary. You know, like the government, you know, uh, doing these things, putting these, implanting these chips into people, and, and people are, this is happening right now, but, but it's all under the radar. You know, uh, to certain people, people, to, you know, you, uh, the, the, the main thing, like, and, you know, my, after United We Sleep, I wanted to make a short film about the chips and how, uh, you know, they're just implanted into people. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the government says, you know, you've got to get these uh, chips implanted into you. And I said, oh, you can't buy food. You can't go shopping. You can't get a job. And that's, that's, how they're gonna, that's, that's what I feel is going to happen by 2026. They're gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really into this kind of stuff, so... Uh, <laughs> That I feel that that's, that I can happen. And, uh, well, and the reason why they say it is like so, like uh, if your kid is um, abducted or something, they can find him. But you think that's just like an excuse for everyone to get them? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do quite honestly. And uh, but uh, no, it's, I think if they were going to do something like that, at least, and they are doing this, wristwatches, mm-hmm. things like that. You know, put it in like wristwatches. Yeah, it's so much something like that. Right. They should do it. Right. They should do it with, uh, I believe, in uh, California, if you get a dog or an animal from, like, a shelter, they all have that. I know it's different than an animal, but, um, you know, if they do it with animals, they can do it with people. Yeah. Well, that kind of links in with the the whole fear-mongering thing. Well, it's kind of like what we were talking about around Halloween time, where, where, like, they have all the children so freaked out, you know, and the parents about, oh, you know, don't let your kid go, you know, out, outside your block or he'll be abducted, you know, within yeah. a minute. Yeah, or the candy, and I, I think I've... everything around. Yeah, and I've always read that, like, uh, you know, like the candy or the, uh, like a razor blade and apple, I don't think there's ever been an incident where that's happened. I think the only time any kid's been poisoned, it was, like, from their own uh, relatives. Mm-hmm. But no one's actually, like, gone out and got, like, a poisoned or, like, a, a razor blade in, a, in an apple, like, when they were trick-or-treating. Right, yeah. I think, and I also think a great film that uh, it would, they live was actually uh, oh, yeah. John Carpenter. I mean, think about that, man. Like they want you to stay asleep. It's always you just got to open our eyes. Like I think the, the sunglasses in that film, like a guy finally open, opening up his eyes and seeing that everything was as it said, mm-hmm. as it was. Because you know they want you to people like they want us to be zombies and watch the TV and be stupid. 
why? Like, I don't want to fucking be like that. I'm not going to be like that. And I don't think right. you guys should. I don't think anyone should. We need to make a difference, and this is the way. Support these types of films and to make these types of films as filmmakers. No, I was going to say, uh, we wish uh, Roddy Piper well, uh, the star of They Live. <laughs> well, he's, uh, he, they just uh, announced he had, uh, he just came out, he has got uh, some kind of cancer. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. Right, Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such an underrated movie. I love that movie. That's oh, yeah. Movie, man. Yeah, I think that's just been recently uh, put out on DVD in the last oh, few yeah? years, yeah. Oh, cool. I don't know yeah, if there's any special, any special uh, things on there or anything. Yeah. And even, like, you know, with, like, I mean, there's, and then there's a lot of discussion, like, you know, you know, I mean, like, John Carpenter being a John the Fog remake, I mean, I don't know, man. I think, I think Romero still has a little left in him. I just think that every, Wes Craven, I don't know, I just feel like Wes Craven and John Carpenter, I don't, I don't really want to name names, but I think, I think it's, I think it's time for the new blood to come in, you know what I'm I think they had their time, it's, I mean, what they're doing now is they're becoming producers on films to cash mm-hmm. back in. And I can understand that Romero's making Diary of the Dead because, you know, he got, you know, fucked out of, you know, getting, you know, uh, the uh, the money for, you know, Night of the Living Dead because they stole that from him. Day of the Dead, they stole that from him. You know, so I don't know. I, I can understand it, but uh, for people who don't really necessarily, I feel, need to be here, I think I've lost their kind of, uh, their step in, in you know, Mm-hmm. And filmmaking, I think, uh, I don't know, man, I think it's for, up for new people to come out. I'm what do you think about it. that, like, uh, the original Night of the Living Dead, you know, he doesn't own the rights to that, and people can just take it and pretty much uh, do whatever they want with it. Yeah. Jeez, uh, I didn't even know that. That's kind of sad. Yeah, it's like they put out the DVD, it's like uh, they added, like, uh, added some stuff to it, like new scenes to it, and they changed the music, and you just pretty much do whatever you want with it. No, I don't wow. think so. Wow. It's just why, to me, even if you can do that, I mean, I don't know, what, if you're, like, a fan of his stuff, I don't know why you'd want to do that. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, what what movie, like, uh, made you want to uh, make movies? I mean, I've always been into, like, um, like Friday 13th, because, you know, I was born in the 80s, 1982, and I grew up with Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday 13th, uh, so, um, I think, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the slasher films got me into it, and in 1999, I wanted to make my first uh, feature, and I tried to do it, and but then I fell through. And you know, like in in the Chris Guy's house, Harvest is never cast your friends as role. <laughs> they're not they're not reliable, they're not professional. And uh, so in 2003, I did a feature length that unfortunately never got cast, called Dead and Massacre. And um, that was that was very much a Halloween. It's a Halloween. I got me into. Uh, got me into uh, horror films and want to make films. Yeah. That's a good one to, to grab onto, I think. Uh, you know. Of course. <laughs> uh, you got uh, any place we can see you upcoming? Like any uh, film festivals or anything? Um, Probably probably within the next year I'm going to have updates on my MySpace or my official website. That uh, Nothing nothing recently. I mean, I'm just focusing. You know, I mean, I'm not a big enough name <laughs> that I probably won't be for a while to get... Um, all these uh, convention appearances, you know, and people inviting me. Right. Well, just uh, tell me you're on without your head. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> but uh, oh, that'll get attention. <laughs> <laughs> I think by I think my fall, I'm going to have a couple of, of appearances. You know, I, I like to appear at, at festivals because I know that a lot of uh, I have a lot of people uh, all over the United States 
that, that really do um, appreciate the films and uh, mm. and you know maybe Texas Fight Mayor Weekend something like that or um, or uh, Fangoria or Fight Night Film Festival you know there's, there's so many but I'll have it all updated on on my website as soon as I get confirmations with with people so right and that's uh, scottgoldbergfilms.com correct or right. myspace.com slash scottgoldberg as well right and then there's also myspace.com Scott Goldberg film. Yes, correct. That is, uh, that is, I just recently put up an online journal to help, um, <laughs> independent, uh, and it is actually, there's actually Scott Goldberg films and Scott Goldberg film. The film one is, uh, my journal and the Scott Goldberg films one is my, uh, is, is the day that came back. I think it's very important, uh, so that's why I put the journal online to kind of give the aspiring filmmakers, um, a chance to, uh, you know, read up on what the experiences were like and what they can expect. Um, oh, when they're going in the film, you know, it's very important. Um, and actually, I, I started a radio show that's on hold right now. I'm going to start it again soon called Apocalypse Radio, where we talk about the government and uh, war and independent films and things like that. So, uh, you know, I guess people could look for that as well. That's on MySpace as well. So it's, it's, it's You're under, all over the place, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I, you know, but it's it's important to get the word out. But it's it's also important oh, not to over promote. You know. And because uh, that cause people get sick of it, I think. Sure, it's kind of uh, a point. You know, but, but you learn. Anything you uh, want to tell everybody out there before we let you go? Um, I just appreciate the support, and I thank you guys for having me on the radio show, and uh, and thank you guys, and thanks everyone out there. You know, it, it means a lot. So really appreciate you coming on. Definitely, guys, I really appreciate it. Let's uh, go to break here, Inch. like this. We live in claustrophobia, a land of steel and concrete, trapped by dark waters. There is no escape, nor do we want it. We've come to thrive on it and each other. You can't get the adrenaline pumping without the terror, good people. I love this town. It's a simple world. 